You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. Hello and welcome to episode 36 of the Managemental Podcast, a weekly discussion on hot topics in the music biz for the up-and-comers, the brand newbies, the beginners, and aspiring rock stars of tomorrow. Yes, the struggle is real, my friends, but let us help you uncover some of the mystery that is this challenging business of rock and roll. I am your host, Mr. Blasco, and I am excited to be here today. As always, I am joined by my good friend, the co-host from the other coast, a record label owner, fellow artist manager, and child psychologist in training, Mr. Mike Mowry. Yeah, boy. Thankfully, as we've discussed plenty of times, a career in management prepares you for a lot of psychological tactics. So... I look forward to uh, utilizing many of them uh, while dealing with my uh, my son. <laughs> <laughs> uh, in the last episode, we talked about embracing the future and strategies for succeeding in 2018 and beyond. That was a cool episode, so check it out if you haven't already. This week, we take a few questions from one of our loyal listeners, Brandon. This is going to be killer, so let's get mental. So, Mike, what is new in your world, my friend? All's well, my friend. Um, I think we may have discussed on last week's episode, but I had a couple tracks premiere last week from bands, Good Tiger and uh, Tooth Grinder, and it's been a lot of fun to see, you know, those responses. And it's, you know, ridden into uh, a very fun week this week of, you know, just putting together opportunities for those bands. And then, you know, the, the, the bomb that dropped, I'm sure you caught this, but over the weekend, I get a text from... Um, my buddy Dennis, the singer of Ghost Bath, who I manage, and uh, you know they're a really self-sufficient band. So if I'm getting that on the weekend from him, something's up. He says, "Can you call me? Have you seen the news?" I was out doing things with the family, so I hadn't seen the news. Well, they're on tour with Decapitated and Thy Art Is Murder. Mm. So it was a wild, uh, a wild call to get. And holy crap, you know I, we don't need to touch uh, any of that. But I will say. It's so interesting to me because as I was on a call with the members of the Tooth Grinder team, we were talking about how, you know, decapitated, like how kind of um, fragile just the work that those of us that support artists can be. And, you know, time will tell what the real story with decapitated is. But, you know, they've got a manager, they've got an agent, they've got a record label. All of these people are working to create these opportunities. And then like that, you know, in the snap of a finger, it can all kind of go the other way. And it's just so, it just had this like kind of profound impact on me um, in that regard. So that's what's up. What about you? Yeah, man, that situation was pretty dark. It's, uh, it's, I guess we'll see how it all plays out. Right. But uh, yeah, interesting. It's kind of disheartening whenever those types of things happen 
within, you know, the genre or whatever, you know, I don't know. It's just kind of like, well, I mean, I don't want to, you know, I'm not, I'm not presuming any uh, specific outcome here, but um, there's always multiple sides to those stories, of course. And, you know, we've all been on tours and, you know, seen crazy shit. And, um, you know, it's just, I guess to me, you know, and of, of course, I, I don't know the decapitated guys in any capacity, but as a manager, what it struck me with again is just like, holy cow, you know, there's somebody that put together this great tour, you know, it's out there doing business, they're working their, their hearts out and, and, you know, just like that, all of a sudden that whole work and strategy completely shifts. So, yeah. Um, so hard. for all of, yeah, for all of you out there, you know, aspiring to be, you know, managers or bands, um, you know, you do got to really, I guess on the band side, you know, I'll just say you, you really do got to check in with yourselves and, and make sure that, you know, everybody is, is working towards the same goals. And there's some clear lines of, uh, I don't know if behavior is the right word. Um, you know, and, and those of you aspiring to be in the industry, you know, these are things that come up and my, you know, again, like you said, only time will tell what the real story is here, but I empathize with their team that's having to scramble and, and deal with all of this stuff. So no didn't mean to, didn't mean to put it on a, on a down note, but that is what's been going on in my world. No, but it's, it's reality. And, and today's topic is, you know, live shows and, and at building up your base in the, in the live arena and get, you know, potentially getting on tours with bigger bands. And this is one of those, this is one of those situations. I mean, this is sometimes the reality of this business and, um, and, and also the, uh, the, you know, the addition of just how viral everything can be now, right? So these types of things um, can happen and people can make accusations and, and band guys can not think properly about how to uh, conduct themselves. So, you know, it's important to think of, you know, the others around you and your future. So I think it's a, it's, it's a, a you know, a good, a good thing to discuss in terms of today's topic. So anyway, we've got a, um, we've got a loyal listener who is in a band. He wrote into us and, uh, it was, it's all about, um, you know, shows and getting his band, uh, on gigs and whatever. So anyway, he writes to us and he says, hi guys, love the show. I found out about it a few months ago and have since managed to binge all of the episodes. <laughs> so right on, buddy. Uh, that, I that's kind of that. that's kind of cool. It would be it would be sort of fun to discover that you know. I guess just taking myself outside of myself, it would be kind of fun to discover and then just go listen to like thirty of them in a row. <laughs> well, so thanks. So thanks for doing that. Yeah, and 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 uh, for whatever it's worth, I think by design. We, we, we make sure that the, the content on these is very digestible in a 30 minute format and stuff. So the, you know, for whatever it's worth, I think by design, we made these bingeable, right? <laughs> if that's Absolutely. Real thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, he, uh, he, he, he has two questions here. And, um, number one, uh, I play for a rather noisy, chaotic, hardcore band out of Phoenix, Arizona. I've found that in promoting and booking shows for the band, we can cast a small net in the niche genre and have a pretty good conversion rate for new fans. That much smaller pool of fans, however, often has heard of bands within a similar style 
and aren't always the diehard ones that are attending every show and buying up our merch. The opposite is going for a much wider audience where fan conversion is a hit or miss, but when it works, it's usually the first time that they've heard something of our type. So my question is, being an independent band without a team behind us, where do you feel a band's time and efforts are best spent? Man, this is a really interesting and cool question. And because you read them, I typically respond first. But I'm actually curious, Blasco, to hear your response on this. Well, I, I mean, I think for starters... I'm just impressed with the level and type of question that it is as opposed to, uh, hey, how do I get on big tours and get to the next level? Like this is this is a, a well thought out uh, question from a guy that understands his position, right? He understands that he's in a smaller uh, niche. He's in, you know, he's in uh, Phoenix, Arizona. I mean, that's that's a big territory. I mean, there, there could potentially be some some scene going there. There's definitely a lot of traffic going in and out of there. And uh, so I, I'm impressed with the, the question itself. Now, when it comes to what the right thing to do here is, I mean, honestly, I, I would say don't do one or the other, do both. You know, do your do your niche related stuff, but then conversely, also in not instead of, but also look into the the uh, the, the wider audience reaching where you can potentially dig into fans that don't know your noisy, chaotic, hardcore genre, but they'll like what you do for whatever reason. So I think in terms of casting a wide net, you want to play both sides of the fence. That would be my sort of response to this. Yeah, and that that's a really good one, and it allows me to kind of bounce off that. It, it's interesting. I had a band that we work with on the record label side and management in the office yesterday, and you know they're a metal band more in the kind of deathcore capacity, and we were you know sort of talking about these very similar things. Um, and they're on you know they did Summer Slaughter this past summer, which absolutely catered to the types of you know fans that you would think that. Um, you know, would like them. And now they're out on a different tour with more kind of traditional metalcore bands. And though it isn't, you know, I guess the conversion is sort of hit and miss because of what the band's goals are, which is to, you know, be able to kind of straddle both lines. This tour was an important one for us to do. And you know, not necessarily on the the hyper local perspective or you know location um, in terms of Phoenix. You know, one of the things we discussed with the band was you know by doing the current tour that they're on, even if it's not so great for the immediate return of selling merch or you know fan acquisition to the outside world, you know, to the industry people, to the promoters to all of these people who might not have known them or heard of them, it it starts to give them an in, you know, an opening of that type of door. And so I think, you know, when you're saying kind of straddle both lines, I think that's a, a great point because some of those, you know, wider audience types of shows um, might open some doors for you that will pay dividends, you know, down the line. Yeah, and look, even on the non-DIY scale, 
I mean, this is not, uh, you know, straddling both lines is a very common practice. If you look at any of our bands that we have as headliners, right? We headline, but we're also open to opportunities to go out and play and support other bands or bring on a different package to where we take a little bit of a hit to potentially widen the audience, right? And even, I mean, even if you look at the grand scale of like the Ozzy Osbourne, of course, the bulk of what he does is headline. But in the event that we're playing a festival, right? Like the festival is an isolated, very uh, safe environment, even though that let's say, you know, we're, we're headlining, we're playing last on a Saturday or a Sunday or whatever. The point of it is, is we're not, the, the Ozzy Osbourne band isn't uh, putting themselves in the line of fire of like being responsible for drawing the numbers as a headliner, right? That's that's the festival's responsibility. Plus the festival puts us in front of a group of people that potentially maybe wouldn't, you know, wouldn't pay to go see Ozzy as a headliner, right? So I think, and, and so so I think of it like on all scales, straddling the line is common practice. I guess that's my long-winded point here. No, totally. And it's fun to just kind of, you know, discuss it in this format. Um, but ultimately I would say, you know, what are your goals? Are your goals to, you know, to, to play to a bigger audience? If you want to, you know, head down that line, then yeah, you need to be doing that. If your goal is really to have a quote unquote, you know, good conversion rate and, and then turn that into, um, you know, income streams by selling merch to those people, um, or, or, you know, whatever else, then you might want to spend more time focusing on that. So sorry, we don't have a clear, you know, cut answer for you here, but I think that's kind of the beauty of all of this is there is no one, you know, one lane to choose that's going to make, um, you know, sense, uh, for you in, in the immediate term. Yeah. I mean, look, to simplify, if you, if you straddle, if you straddle the line and, and, and do both, see which one works the best and then put more efforts into that one potentially, you know? Um, yeah, but it is a really good question. I yeah. will say, and it's one that, like you said, even on the artists that are much further ahead, that we work with, we're asking these types of questions all the time. Yeah. Uh, his second and last question, our band has been fairly successful in playing one-off national shows in our region. It seems that the promoters and touring bands like us too, as we continue to get asked back for more shows. What we haven't found is how to convert that into touring as support for a larger band. Instead, we're normally out there doing DIY headliners or taking bands of equal or smaller pulls. So my question is, in your opinion, what are some good ways to approach getting on larger tour packages? Is it truly all in having a tour agent and or paying for the spot? This is, um, yeah, I mean, another really, really great question. I think one of the biggest challenges for bands that do these, you know, these local shows, no matter how good it goes, there is just sort of this, and I don't want to call it a stigma, but just an identity that this is a local band, right? That's sort of the role that local bands play is they, you know, promoters like good local bands. They want to be able to go to you time and time again because you know you're you are filling um, a need for them, a, a band that people like, and you know if you're having to sell tickets or, or you're not, 
they want a band that's really easy to deal with and knows, you know, what's up. And it's great that, you know, the touring bands are paying attention to you and you, you know, are befriending them. But my suggestion in, in regards to that is you got to really try to push that angle a little bit more and stay in touch with these bands and try to develop real friendships with them because that's going to be the way that in my mind that you eventually end up, you know, getting a national tour or a selection of dates in a region is, you know, one of these bands knows you and likes you and, and vouches for you um, when they're putting a package together. Here's a crazy idea. Mike, it just, it just came to me, right? If you're a local band in Phoenix and there's a national band coming through, right? And, you know, we're probably not talking, you know, tremendously huge bands. I mean, we're talking like club bands or whatever, but they're out there touring and they're out there headlining, right? But like anybody else, the more the more they keep their expenses low, the more money they're going to make, right? And so a matter of like getting something to get something, whereas I scratch your back, you scratch mine, why doesn't next time Brandon has an opportunity to open for a national headliner? Go to them and be like, hey, guys, check it out. Thanks for having us on your show. I totally appreciate it. And we're going to kick ass for you and we're going to warm the crowd up. What do you guys think about on your next tour? You take us and we'll be your road crew. You don't got to pay us anything. We just want the ability to go uh, to open for you. guys. You can use our gear. We'll tech for you. We just want the ability to open for you on your tour. What about that as an idea? Dude, have you done that before, or is this really you just came I, up with that I idea? literally just thought of it as you All were right. talking. All right, so <laughs> that that is a great idea, and one band that I know that did that very well was the band Emery. Mm-hmm. Um, as they, you know, continued to need to find ways to, you know, still have crew, but their budgets were lower and lower, that's exactly what they did. They found a group of, you know, I don't know if it was quote-unquote a local band, but you know, another band that they liked that needed shows and took them out and those guys opened the show and then they went and teched for Emory. So I, yeah, I mean, I think that's a really cool, creative approach to doing exactly like you said, I'll scratch your back, um, you scratch mine. To address the, you know, the touring agent and or paying for the spot, you know, having an agent is surely helpful. Agents, you know, even as a manager, when I'm developing artists, a lot of the onus falls on myself and or the label to really, you know, go in and talk to other managers and and try to create opportunities. But a good agent, a connected agent is oftentimes aware of, you know, things that are being put together even, even before, you know, I am. So, you know, it's a, so I do think that an agent is helpful in the long run. You know, that said, I think Blasco, you and I both know plenty of bands with agents that really still don't get, you know, any better opportunities because, you know, so much of it does come from the band and the band's relationships at these early levels. Yeah. I mean, it's all relative, just like everything in this business, right? Like if, if you haven't built up your value yet, then you're going to get an agent that isn't very good at being an agent. And then if a big agent takes you on, you're going to get lost in the shuffle in that you're not a high priority because he needs to focus his time and efforts 
on his high priority bands. So it's kind of, you know, it's it's that catch-22 situation to where it's just like if you're if you're hunting for an agent because you think it's necessary and you get one too early in your career, you're potentially kind of fucking yourself over. So once again, and 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 I, I harp on this like probably way too much, but I'm just trying to drive home the point that like you gotta you gotta take a step back, you gotta build your value, and you gotta build your team as it becomes necessary to build it. Don't put people in place that aren't the right people early on because you think that you need those people. In this day and age, um, bands can manage and book themselves and build it up to a point to where they they need that additional help. And when and when that happens, trust me, man, those people will sniff you out and they'll start coming to you because in this day and age, Mike, as you know, like we're looking for that next thing, man. Our eyes are open. You know, we're, we're, we're looking for that thing that's like coming out of nowhere and we're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, what the fuck is this? No one's got their eyes on it yet. Here's a, here's a real opportunity, you know, because those things, um, they're not happening very often anymore. So, you know. Uh, no, uh, you're, you're completely right. And I got a really interesting story from just this week. You know, there's this great band that I work with called Alastair Hennessy. And the way I found this band was... When I started working with Ghost Bath, and Ghost Bath is, is, has been to date really Dennis, the main man. And he said, Oh, you know, he introduced me to this other band. He said, These are the guys that play with me when I tour. And it's something totally different. It's much more kind of emotionally driven rock, kind of in the vein of like a brand new meets, uh, I don't even know, but it's really, you know, stuff that I actually really like. And so I took them on trying to help them. You know, they got, they did a deal. But things really haven't gone very quickly for them, I would say. But they continue to do DIY shows, DIY tours. You know, they're still at it and working those angles. And then just this week, you know, the band doesn't have an agent. We got an offer from a pretty respectable headliner because A, they love the music. And B, they saw that the band was out there doing, you know, DIY dates on their own. So... You know, to your point, the agent surely isn't a, a mandatory piece of that puzzle. If you're writing and creating great music and, you know, doing work on your own, that's stuff that, you know, not only Blasco and I look for in artists, but as this, this example uh, represents, other bands are looking for that too. Yep. Well, he concludes, thanks for giving artists an invaluable resource for this ever-changing industry. Have a good one, Brandon. And I got to say, thanks to Brandon for writing in. It's very helpful. His questions were very thought out and very insightful. And uh, we appreciate that. And hopefully everyone listening got a little something out of this as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you, Brandon. And uh, for all of you that are that are out there listening, if you've got questions, please don't hesitate to send them over. Blasco will will tell you exactly where to send that here as he as he wraps this thing up. Yes. As we conclude episode 36. Thanks to everyone for tuning in. We will be back here next week. In the meantime, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Blasco1313. We encourage you to email us any questions or comments you may have for the podcast to me directly at askblasco at gmail.com. Because, hey, people, we do this show for you. 
consider it a tool for understanding this ever so challenging and confusing business of music. If you have listened thus far, much respect to you for making efforts to educate yourselves and taking your future into your own hands. Mike, any final parting thoughts? Yes, sir. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Mike O'Loop. And I encourage you to rate and review this podcast wherever you may be listening. And Brandon and others out there that are giving us feedback, uh, thanks again. This is why Blasco and I do this podcast. We really like to uh, feel like we're making an an impact in all of your lives. So please uh, continue to, to give us feedback. Awesome. Yep. Thanks, everybody. Cheers. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Well, hey, friends. My name is Zach Lupiton. You may know me from the band Dust Bowl Revival, but I also host a music discovery podcast called The Show on the Road. For the last five seasons, I've been able to dive deep and have intimate chats with folks like the Lumineers, Andy DeFranco, Wolfpack, Keb Moe, Lake Street Dive, Bela Fleck, and more. So guess what? After 150 conversations with some of my favorite songwriters from around the world, we are bringing brand new episodes to the Osiris Network. New interviews and intimate acoustic performances will be coming at you this summer. And which episodes are coming next, you ask? I am Zach Goody, the lead singer for the band Smash Mouth. Our band is called Milky Chance. We are based in Berlin. My name is David Shaw. I sing and write songs with my band, The Revivalists. Trust me, these conversations go some wild places. So subscribe to the show on the road on Osiris, and we'll see you soon. Again.